I prayed that God would give me a bigger platform. <laughs> and he moved me from there to here, so. Uh, no, we we just thought that we could get more seating in this arrangement, so we have for weeks have been talking about it, but we weren't going to tell you that, so we moved your cheese, so there's a, there's a few seats over here and a few seats in front of the tall tables for those that are coming in. We, we really need like a, an usher to kind of point out the seats, you know, but uh, they're, they're hard to see from that direction, but hopefully you can see me all the way there. We've, we've kind of pre-planned this thing, so... Uh, Appreciate your willingness to to move and to adjust. You realize that you're stuck there for the next time until the next time we move seats. So wherever you chose today, that's your assigned seat. Uh, that's usually the way it works. Uh, well, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We missed all that, right? I hope that you had a great Christmas. I hope that you're having a great New Year, and it is good to be home, home right here. And so uh, just all the traveling and everything else, we're thankful uh, that you could join us today. We're going to pick up right where we left off. We left off Jesus basically doing his thing, talking publicly and being challenged by the Pharisees, the Pharisees being the leaders of the Jews, establishing religion and uh, we, we take this section right here. I, it's it's kind of funny uh, now that we've moved everybody. Uh, a few weeks ago, I referred to the Pharisees as being in the back and just jeering everybody. And then, uh, like the next week, I referred to the Pharisees being in the front because they always wanted to be recognized. They always wanted to be recognized. And uh, um, today, I think that I would like to divide the crowd in between uh, down the middle down the middle and and make the Pharisees on the left and and the believers on the right so uh, Luke's excited that he's finally in the right section this time so where you draw that line I don't care but uh, it's because the right is always right and the left will be left you'll get that on the way home so uh but any, a, anyway, uh, there, there's two crowds, and Jesus decides that, okay, we've been talking to the multitude, but right now, uh, I want to I focus on talking to my disciples. I want to I talk to them, knowing that the Pharisees are hanging around and they're listening to everything. We know this because it says that as we really get into chapter 17 that the Pharisees were hanging around and talking. But he's at this point, he's going to talk to his disciples knowing that the Pharisees are there in the crowd. And so we pick up in Luke chapter 16, it says this. Now he said to the disciples, There was a rich man who received an accusation that his manager was squandering his possessions. I... That verse right there, how many times have you heard the word accusation or allegation in the last six months? You, you hear what I'm saying, right? 
that now in our society we have said that anybody that makes an allegation or an accusation against someone, that person is almost proven guilty before proven innocent. That's the way our society has gone. And right now, this rich man has made an accusation against his manager. He's got someone that's in charge of managing his wealth and resources, and he's made an accusation against him. So he called the manager in, and he asked, What is this I hear about you? He doesn't have the facts at this point. He's like, What is it that I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you can no longer be my manager. Wait, 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 wait. He's like, I'm hearing this about you, and I want you to prove it to me, but in the meantime, you're done. You can't even, like, prove yourself worthy of what you've done. Sounds like a pretty harsh man. He's like, give me a reason for the decision that I have already made about firing you. In other words, turn in your books and ledgers and let me see what you have done or not done. And now, Jesus is telling the story and Luke is recording the story and they expected their audience to assume the charges were correct. But, of course, I rode with Keith for five hours yesterday and we discussed this story over and over and over and Keith has a little different interpretation of this but the truth is this if he's talking to his disciples and he's got the Pharisees over here he's always talking to the disciples about these people over here And what we know about these people over here is that when God came to the Israelites, to the Jews, he gave them the law, he gave them Moses' law, and he says, here, I'm putting you in charge of the law. I'm putting you in charge of the law. You get to manage the law. And guess what? They are terrible managers of the law. So when Jesus is like, talking about this rich man and a bad manager he's also referring to the pharisees and then he says then the manager said to himself what will i do since my master is taking the management away from me i'm not strong enough to dig and i'm ashamed to beg in other words the dude lacks strength but he has an abundance of pride What am I going to do? He says, I know what I'll do. This is awesome. Because Jesus has now gone into the mind of this manager, and he's telling everybody out here, this is what he's thinking. These are his thoughts. Jesus telling this story. He says, I know what I'll do so that when I'm removed from management, people will welcome me into their homes. What's he thinking about? He's thinking about himself. How do I take care of myself? He says, so he summoned each one of his master's debtors. How much do you owe my master? He asked the first one. A hundred measures of oil, olive oil, he said. Take your invoice, he told him. Sit down quickly 
and write 50. We're just going to cut your debt right in half from 100 to 50. And then you have to ask the questions, and this is the discussion that Keith and I had. First of all, were these, were these his profits? Was he like giving up his own profits? Was he cutting them that much? Surely 50%. That's, that's an awful lot of profit. Couldn't really be his profits. This Keith's terminology what, that he was aging the books. Because if you, read, if you read further, he says, Next he asked another, How much do you owe? A hundred measure of wheat, he said. Take your invoice, he told him, and write 80. Wait, a hundred, and you only owe 80? The other dude owed 50. You're not playing the same game. He says the master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. Now, Keith believes that he may have been aging his books. Do you know what aging your books means? you're a business person that means that you've sold some assets to somebody upon with credit and you haven't been paid yet and within 30 days you're expected to be paid the full amount maybe in 60 days after 90 days you realize that you're probably not going to get the money from them and so to really track your correct assets you begin limiting what you might get back from them in other words believe that maybe these people that owed this manager some money owed it for quite some time. And he was at least going to be shrewd enough to get some of it back for his manager. But at the same time, he was going to benefit himself by cutting them a break. If I cut them a break, they may take care of me. They may feed me. They may take me in. They may employ me. They may be nice to me. I'm going to take care of myself. And so then he lays the books in front of the rich man and says, here's what I've done. I've got you some of your money. And the manager looks at him and says, you've acted very shrewdly. It says, the master pray. Oh, watch this. There's a big word right there. The master prays the unrighteous manager. He's over here talking to his disciples. He's directing this all of them about the rich man, the manager, and he says, the unrighteous manager. Ha! <laughs> Who's he referring to? When he says, if these are the disciples of Jesus and they're the believers of Jesus, they have, wait, 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 they have been credited righteousness because Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet, right? They believe that Jesus is the Son of, the, Son of God, and so they've been credited righteousness, and so they are considered righteous. But over here, you've got the Pharisees that don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, they don't believe that he's the savior that they've been waiting for for years. And therefore, they are not credited righteousness. They are unrighteous. They are unredeemed. Big difference. What separates the two? Belief. That's it. Belief. Belief that Jesus is the Messiah. Belief that Jesus is not the Messiah. And so when he refers to this manager, he says... He's unrighteous. That's a huge word. 
And then you can pretty much understand when Jesus is referring to the unrighteous, he's talking about their behavior. (laughs) Right? Because you know, as like Paul says, if you're righteous, you do all these good things. Not that you have to, you get to. It's because the Spirit leads you to do that. But if you're unrighteous, if you're unredeemed, then you naturally do evil. So a lot of times when Jesus is talking about the unrighteous, he's talking about an unredeemed behavior. And now he's like said, you have been very shrewd even as a unrighteous manager. Why is he considered shrewd? Because he actually prepared himself for what was to lie ahead for himself. He's thought about what's going to happen here in the future, and I'm going to prepare myself. Then Jesus says, For the children of this age are more shrewd than the children of light in dealing with their own people. Now, he just sat, he sat here and said, For the children of this age of the world, the unredeemed, are different than the children of light, these being the believers, being the children of light. They're different because they're shrewd. They know how to like do business. He says, And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of worldly wealth, so then it, when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. He's over here and he's talking to the disciples and he goes, You see what they've done with earthly manna, earthly currency, whether it be denarii, whether it be dollar, whether it be Bitcoin. You see what they've done with earthly currency? They've been very shrewd with it. What I'm telling you right here is you can take what they've done in practice and you can prepare for yourself for your future. What does that look like for a believer? <laughs> well, what, what does that look like for a believer? How do you prepare yourself for the future? How do you think like they do or act like they do, but do it in a spiritual sense? It's still going to be based upon what God has given you. And how you manage that and become a good steward, knowing that the Spirit, trusting the Spirit, and obeying the Spirit. He says there in verse 18, Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. Whatever your identity is, Here it comes, right? If you identify as a believer, as a child of God, as a redeemed, forgiven person, that's how you're going to act with your earthly blessings. If you're unrighteous, unredeemed, that's how you're going to act. You're going to spend your earthly possessions based upon that. You see... He says, whoever is faithful very little is also faithful in much, and whoever is unrighteous very little is also unrighteous in much. Money's neutral, right? 
It's neither good or bad. But the scripture also says the love of money is bad. Like if you if you make it if you make it important, if you make it everything, that's when it becomes bad. It's okay to have a lot of money. It's okay to get money. Because it all comes from God anyway. It's how you become a manager and a steward of it. He says, so if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you in what is genuine? (laughs) That's pretty big right there. If you prove yourself to be unwise in the financial world, or with your possessions or with your family or with your friends or with your time if you prove yourself to be unworthy there's not going to be too many people that seek you out for wisdom that's what he's saying He's saying you need to think about how you manage and be a good steward of your resources that you're given. Now, most of you all know me. I'm I'm probably one of the most transparent guys that that you know. Like, there's people in this room that know where I am every minute of the day. Because they track me on Google. (laughs) Seriously. I know where Doug is. I know where Keith is. I know where Charlie is. uh, I know where Mike Zastro is. I know where Todd is. They know where I am. They track me. They know where I am every minute of the day. I can look at Google Maps and see where they are, and they can see where I am. Every night when I go to bed, I get my phone and I enter my calories for the day. It's a lot of calories. It's a lot of work. And Josh, how long have I been doing that? A couple years. Why do you know that? Because he tracks me. He can see what I do. He can see how much weight I've lost. How much weight I haven't lost. He can see all that. Luke, I teach a financial financial peace uh, university class. Do I know uh, where every penny that I've spent over the last 10 years has gone, my personal budget? Why? Is it because I shared that with you? Uh, I've got elders in here and... Uh, you know, let's just be perfectly honest. I have, I, I'm in charge of this ministry right here, and every May 15th, I have to fill out a Form 990, which is a public document that you can go online and look, and you can see exactly how much money comes into Leavener and how much money goes out of Leavener. And from the day one, I can tell you where every penny has come from and where every penny has gone. Because I'm a manager of that. I might not always be a great manager of that. 
but I can at least tell you where it's gone. And anybody in the world can see it because it's a public document. You see, I've made myself transparent to those, and there's a reason for that. Is because I want to be able to stand up here and teach the word of God and have you trust me. If you can't, if you can't trust me, there's no reason for you to be here. If you can't trust me, then just go read the word on your own. And so really this is this is all about being a good steward. I I had a conversation with Doug. Doug come up here, Doug Shreve, and uh while I'm talking about being transparent, we, we've talked about a few things. You're going to take this mic right here. And in this conversation, we've been talking about uh, the new tax reform. And these guys, their office has been like dealing with it over the last couple of weeks as it's rolled in and rolled out. And I just said, Doug, can you come up here and talk about something that we hardly ever talk about? At Leavener, and that's the whole giving factor. So I'm not sure exactly what you're going to say, but go for it. Okay, thanks for that. Um, sometimes it's great to start with the end in mind. However, I want to encourage us to start with the beginning in mind as you're thinking about giving. And it comes from this, Second Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly. That's a good word. Or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so that's where I would encourage you guys to start as you're thinking about your resources, your cash, and what you're going to do with it. Um, And then get to know what laws are out there, what changes are there, and how you can benefit from them. But basically, all of you guys get a standard deduction. So you take everything you've made, and then you back out the deduction, and that's kind of what you're taxed on. That deduction doubles in 2018, not for this past year, but for 2018. And so for a lot of people, they're starting to question, well, what happens with charities? Will people keep giving to charities if that standard deduction has doubled? Or uh, will some of these charities fall off? And I don't know the answer to that, but for you, being in Christ, I want to encourage you that that just doesn't really matter. The standard deduction, if you itemize, whatever. What really matters is why are you giving? Why are you being prompted to give? And then go from there and enjoy that. Have a blast with it. Uh, bring your family in on it and talk about it. Is that good enough? Yeah. One of the, you know, we're talking about being shrewd here let's just be shrewd for a moment with your people one of the things that you're encouraging clients to do is to like what do they call it piling so there's a couple really fun things you can do um if you are charitably inclined for example if you have assets that have appreciated there are some things you can do to even start your own fund of gifts and so your family could start up a charitable fund and then you guys could decide where you want the money to go if you've had some stocks go up or some land or grandma gave you a farm or something valuable yeah but 
again, I'm going to pre- press you on this just because uh, one of the things is is you can, like, hold out for a year. Oh, yeah. You yeah. want to talk about that? Yeah. So if you are charitably. I know, I know that's not normal for a pastor to yeah. say, but uh, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. So what you could do, there, there's a couple strategies. But one of them is if if you are thinking of giving this next year and you're close to that standard deduction but not quite there, what you could do is you could give for the next two years, and that would allow you to itemize your taxes and bring your taxable income down. You can see me on that, and I'll get more detailed with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that, that sounds kind – of, I appreciate that, Doug. Thank you. Uh, it just sounds weird, right, doing this in the middle of a message, but it makes sense because that's obviously what we're dealing with. I'm not – look, listen to me. I'm not concerned about your giving. That's not my deal. I'm really not concerned. I, we're okay. Levener is okay. And that's because, obviously, from the very beginning, we have trusted the Lord with this whole process, and we will continue to do that. So what you do based upon the tax reform and all that is really between you and the Lord and your family. That, that That's the whole deal. But I think that we need to be educated. we got people out here, you know, KD and all these guys that are – that deal with finances, they they would be happy to talk to you and 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 come up with with plans and stuff like that. But that's what Jesus is saying. He's like saying, you need to be good stewards. You need to be good managers for what lies ahead. And watch this as we close. It says, and if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, why is Jesus even doing this? Why is he even having this discussion about stewardship? It's because all the unredeemed, all the Pharisees, believe that they are better off in heaven, in eternal life, and it's all based upon the amount of wealth that they have. So they're trying to like grow their bank accounts, grow their savings, grow their retirement plans. They're putting everything into it. They're even stealing, being corrupt about it. And God's like, hey, you know what? You either come here and you serve me or you serve your bank account. That's it. Trust me, I'll take care of you. He's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of us. Nothing to worry about. Going to provide you with everything that you need. Father, I pray that you would, um, one, whatever everybody out here is thinking is great. We just got a stewardship lesson. But, Lord, I pray that in in their heart they know we're just reading the word and it's really not doesn't have anything to do with Levner. So I, I trust that your word will ring true for them today. And uh so allow us to be able to hear your spirit, be able to trust you and and be able to obey you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
he, he goes straight from talking to stewardship to the Lord's Supper. But um, I don't think there's a better way to start the year and to jumpstart us being back together than us celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And so this morning, uh, we're going to come together and uh, just fellowship. You know, in, uh, I went home to First Baptist Church, Tulsa Downtown Church, and we took the Lord's Supper, and there's, there's nothing wrong with the way that they do it, but it's very formal. <laughs> it, it's very formal, you know. You have your ushers that come down and pass the plate, and you guys know the routine and everything else like that, but I, I, I always like to refer to the Lord's Supper as there's, there's 12 dudes. Actually, one of them got up and left. So now there's 11 plus Jesus, and they're reclining at the tables, laying around. They've just eaten a nice meal. But to be honest with you, there's a lot of tension in the room. There's a lot of tension in the room because uh, Jesus is talking about dying. Jesus is talking about leaving them. That's that's real. I think they're more concerned about Jesus just leaving them. You know. Just not being with them. And Jesus is like, hey, 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 it's going to be all right. I, I'll be gone, but I'll send you help. I'll send this spirit to live with inside of you, and he's going to take care of you, and you guys are going to do amazing things, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be an incredible adventure. Just chill out, relax. But in the meantime, I want you to take this bread as it was sitting on the table. I want you to take this bread and realize that this is my body which is broken for you. And I want you to take this bread and eat of it and remember that my body, even though the bones weren't broken, my body has given up so that you might have life. So that you might have life in Christ. He's like, and then I want you to take this wine and I want you to drink it and remember that my blood was poured out. My blood was poured out and when it's poured out, everything that you've experienced in the past about blood, it only covered, but my blood forgives. All the blood of the bulls and the goats couldn't forgive sin, but my blood will forgive sin. Everything that's done all the way back from Adam, everything that's currently done up to the point that Jesus dies, and everything in the future, there's nothing that has been done in this room right here that wasn't covered under the blood of Jesus except for your unbelief. His blood covered it all he's like just just remember that when you guys get together when you guys get together remember that i gave you life and that i forgave you of your sins <laughs> i got one amen out of that <laughs> you know you guys are kind of like the disciples they just sat there and like they had no clue what was about to happen <laughs> but honestly we're sitting here and we're like man there's this good 
loving God that's taken up residence inside of our mortal bodies just because of what he did by sending his son. And we're going to come celebrate this and we're going to be really, really formal about it. Dilly dilly. Yes. Jesus, we come to celebrate your life. We come to celebrate all that you've done for us today. We, we claim 2018 of just walking with you, just getting to know you better. Lord, I pray that right now, that we can just get to know you better and that we can just trust you and that we can be obedient to you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. I've asked some people to assist me at the tables. There's a table here. There's a table there. And there's a table over here by the garage door. So we're going to ask that you just uh, make your way to one of those three tables that you get a piece of bread and that you get a juice cup and that you just make it back to your seat, make it back to your seat with both of them, and then we'll take them here together. So uh, you can make your way up here. I'm going to ask my people to assist, and you guys make your way up here.
King of Heaven wants me. So this world has lost its grip on me. I don't want that bad. These guys are taking extras. They're like the Pharisees storing up. <laughs> Sit over here, would you? <laughs> you guys are really redeemed. Don't buy all that stuff. It's just for today. Celebrate, shall we? Jesus says, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup. Just that, this just blows me away. I, I guess this does too. The whole life thing, you know, because I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed, I'm holy. And the whole life thing means, Rusty, you don't have to do this anymore. I'm going to do this for you. That's what the bread does. It gives you life. You realize that as you're like chewing that thing up, just like, Lord, it's not the bread that does it. It's Christ in you that does it. It's just remembering. But he says, take this cup and drink it in remembrance of me. Amen? Really? Dilly dilly. Happy New Year. I love you. I will see you next week.